You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hey there, welcome to episode three of Push the Points Team Preview Series, where we're going to go through every team situation for season four of the Overwatch League. I'm your host, Ramsey, joined by my buddy, Lobosco. Lobo, it's good to be back. I'm enjoying the weekly schedule again, I say, as my month continues to get busier and busier and my brain starts to fry. But <laughs> I mean, if this is how I'm reacting now, I'm excited to see how much my brain like phrase out once we get into the regular season but how are you doing my friend i'm doing well i'm excited to talk about another um portion of the the teams that we get to talk about for overwatch league i i really enjoy sort of these retro sort of they're sort of retrospective looks at these teams but then also sort of looking forward um Mm -hmm. because you and i are the writers of 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 the preview parts that you hear and then obviously the conversation that we have afterwards too so it's a really cool look back and a good way to sort of get ready for the next season of the Overwatch League. Most definitely. Today, we're going to be wrapping up the last four teams we haven't yet covered in North America. Uh, some of the teams I think I'm most excited to talk about as well, because it seems like we have two teams that are going to be near the top of the spectrum and near the bottom. I think we'll see. We are working on our power rating, power ratings, power rankings. That's the word. Uh, we've been working on power rankings. We'll have that for you in our season preview episode. I think the week of uh season start, but if you're ready, Lobo, I think it's time we break down team number one. Yeah, I think I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. Towering expectations on a team could go one of two ways. The weight of those expectations and added pressure could either galvanize a team and push them to heights unmatched, or expectations will crush a roster before it even has a chance to prove itself. The envious of old that reached the highest of highs in the pre-Al era never had the same results in the Overwatch League. In fact, last year's 9-12 finish was the best regular season record the team has had in the AL era. Last season's lackluster results led to the final nail in the dismantling of the old roster fans of pre-AL days new and loved. While any resemblance of that team of old is gone, the moves this past offseason shouldn't disappoint Fuel fans one bit. The Fuel made a colossal splash this offseason, assembling players from one of the greatest contenders teams in Element Mystic. They obtained a large majority of the Paris of Turtles dynamic roster at Sparkle, Hanbin, Fielder, and Exe, along with head coach Rush, reuniting Doa with his former coach and teammates. The Fuel also acquired Rappel and Jexe, who had combined for a deadly support combo for Element Mystic in past years. The two had spent the previous season on the struggling Houston Outlaws roster, but now have a renewed opportunity with old teammates. To replace the retiring Gamsu at main tank, former Element Mystic tank and 2020 role star Fearless was obtained to solidify the front line with Hanbin. With this new yet familiar roster, the expectations are perhaps higher than they have ever been. A fully reformed Element Mystic roster will have championship expectations, 
but will they be able to reach them with teams like the San Francisco Shock? All right, first up is going to be the Dallas Fuel. And Lobo, I know you have been, we've been itching to talk about this roster, I think, for the past two episodes. I think this is one we're really excited to discuss. I think it's also because of some of the other teams that we've talked about up until this point. This is sort of the, the last roster at the top, uh, that, or at least teams that we expect to be at the top that we haven't talked about yet. So I think that's why the Dallas Fuel has been sort of anticipated for us as we've gone through this, that we finally get to actually sort of break down and and cover the roster that they're going to have because, you know, Dallas has always been a team that seems to be able to get a high expectation since season one. And rightfully so when you look at the history of Envious prior to the Overwatch League starting. And Dallas has never lived up to the the hype Mm -hmm. that they were supposed to have. So I think that's part of why, you know, maybe actually having a super competitive finally roster that we have for Dallas Fuel, even though last year was a pretty good um, season for them compared to their previous seasons, which is kind of weird to think about. <laughs> you, This is the, I think, most talented roster we've seen them have, and it's a whole new roster, too. For sure. There have been, I mean, regardless of how Envy's teams, Envy the owner of the team, regardless of how the Fuel have performed, you know for sure that like this org has been dedicated to spending the money to try and win. I mean, Team Envy, like what's it, the original Envious roster, like was an attempt to win. Seasons two and three, those rosters were attempts to win. But this is a new approach. We've seen them actually go out and wholesale, not wholesale. Let me take that back. Go out and buy an entire Korean lineup for the first time. Uh, we talked about this the home team before, but. This is the Dallas Fuel going out and buying the pretty much all the big pieces of the Element Mystic roster, specifically from a certain time period. Lobo, you know, I think, more when that time period was. It was around Gauntlet, correct? Yeah, it was Gauntlet time. Think of 20, you know, leading into the end of 2019 into 2020 was when that roster was having their heyday. And those pieces that that people would know and love would go on to most of them would go on to the Paris Eternal. That's that's where the bulk mm-hmm. of this team is from, is the Paris Eternal as far as in the Overwatch League. But all of these players at one point or another did play for Element Mystic. Now, not all of them all played except, at the same time, except for one. Except for Fielder, correct. But all these players except for Fielder have played for Element Mystic at some point. Um, and a lot of the coaching staff is from that same area as well. Um, going through DPS, a lot of these are going to sound familiar because this is pretty much half of Paris Eternal's lineup last year. On the hit scan, we have Exe, uh, we have Doha and Sparkle as your other DPS. Uh, at your supports, you have Jexe at your main healer. Um, Fielder and Repel are going to be both of your flex supports. And then Rappel, yes, was on the Vancouver Titans runaway at one point, but also spent time on Element Mystic. And then at tank, you have Hanbin at your off tank and Fearless at the main tank, which I know you and I had some varying discussions about where this roster would ultimately place last last episode, but this is an elite roster regardless of what we say. This is a top tier roster. Yeah, this is a roster that we expect to finish at or near the top of the NA standings. That's the expectations. And there's no reason to expect anything less because the majority of this roster was the Paris Eternal, and that's where they finished last year. They had a disappointing playoff run. I think it was in part because of a meta that really didn't suit some of the players that they had, but also Mm -hmm. 
it, it seemed like I don't know if there was what what else was going wrong, but there was definitely something else wrong with how that team functioned. So they did not reach the heights that people expected them to be, you know, potentially a final four team or at least threatening to be that. They also ran into a team that nobody really saw coming. I mean, we saw it coming, but we didn't know if they would really be able to do it in the Washington Justice. So so that was another part of the the tale for that Paris Eternal team. But when we break down this roster the way it is now on the Dallas field, Doha, Sparkle, and Eggsy were the three-headed monster that made that Element Mystic team run back when mm-hmm. they were winning a gauntlet in 2019. For sure. And you have a lot of coverage across this DPS lineup at elite levels. Eggsy is an incredible hitscan player. I would say was a top five, if not top three hitscan player last year. Uh, Doha was the shining light on the fuel. Last year, like the guy was poor dude was decay aside. Doha was trying his best on so many of those times. Really good at I would correct me if I'm wrong here. He's more of your projectile player. Um, you'll see him on the Fara, the Junkrat, the Echo, um, a little bit of the Sombra as well. He is an incredible Sombra that we've seen both at contenders and in Overwatch League. And Sombra is what he's known for. Sombra yes. is is the thing for him. Like that, that's the one that everybody kind of looks to as far as Doha. And it was an integral part of them winning Gauntlet for Element Mystic. So that that's sort of going to be he he's sort of more the specialist where Eggsy and Sparkle are kind of going to cover a larger majority of the um the roster as far as like playable heroes that'll probably see a little bit more time. Sparkle is gonna be primarily I think you're gonna see Doha on the Echo still, I would imagine. But you have Sparkle on the Genji, which is, of course, his signature hero. The Farah, the Junkrat um, has a little bit of a Tracer, although I think we'll talk about the Tracer play in a minute. I, if we can see Sparkle Doomfist at some point during this year, I will be a very happy guy. <laughs> I love the Sparkle Doomfist. I think the only th- question you have with this roster is Tracer play because they don't have a clear cut guy who like is known for Tracer or known as like a great Tracer. Sparkle has it in his wheelhouse, but we don't know. I don't I don't I think the conception among a lot of people is that the the tracer we've seen from him isn't like at top tier like st- like striker or Sabiobi levels yet. The the guy who might end up playing tracer if it's important in the season and might be Exy more than mm-hmm. anybody else. I it's hard to say at this point, you know, maybe Doha's been working on it, but Doha's never been known as a a tracer player. And and it's not really something that you put sparkle on as well. So I'm very curious to see how they end up addressing that if if Tracer continues to be as important as Tracer sort of is right now. So that that is one of my biggest curious. I can't remember how it was in Contenders when Tracer was important because it's my I don't know my brain doesn't work sometimes. But the, <laughs> the point is is I think that they should be able to cover it pretty well with this roster. And this is just the DPS part though too. Like this is one of if not. The not the strongest, but one of the strongest DPS lineups for sure, because I think San Francisco is still the one that takes the cake with that. They have so many different options there. Mm-hmm. I think the Tracer, because we bring up the Tracer just because it's been such an important hero lately, according to rumors and according to scrim stuff. Uh, I I have confidence that like they could get one of these guys to be a really, really good Tracer. Yeah. I don't think you're going to be a striker level tracer. I think the level of distance between striker and everybody else is just so far. And I think I focus on striker so much because Dallas is an elite team. Like you need to be able to go one head to head against teams that are like 
that are of that level. Um, and that should be the goal. And that's the other yeah. part. That's why there is that comparison, too, is because that is the team that that Dallas is now. Com- they have put themselves in the conversation with them by assembling the roster that they have. Looking at the support lineup, uh, Jexay at main support. I loved Jexay last year. Uh, on the outlaws, him and Rappel kind of are out our refugees almost from the Houston outlaws. Um, Jexay was really, really good. Um, kind of honestly, after how he did in Seoul, it was kind of a rebound year for him on Houston. Like he really established himself as a guy who's really good and can carry a team. Uh, I like him. I don't know if we can put him in like the elite main support tier yet, but I think he's still like really solid and really good. It helps that he gets to have a guy like Fielder next to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that sure it's nice that you get the Repel Jexave, you know, reunited and staying together. But Fielder, Fielder is a guy last year who burst onto the scene, shocked a lot of people, and was better than advertised, and was playing on ping that was absolutely ridiculous all the mm-hmm. while. So that that is the the part to their support lineup that I think is going to be the most impactful and just in part because we know how important flex support is in the game anyway, but also just because that's how good fielder is. So that alone might level up the support play of the player, whoever, you know, who ends up being playing next to him, whether you have it as Jexay as the main support, or if you're playing in like a double flex meta and then you have repel there instead. Like I think Fielder being that like main flex guy is a huge boon for the Dallas Fuel. Do you think there's any situation where uh, Rappel might actually play over Fielder? Like I don't think so. Hero? Gotcha. I, I, I don't. I don't think so. Maybe there is. Um, maybe they think that Rappel's a better Zenyatta. I I don't know. Um, with how good Fielder is, I don't know. You really didn't have to see him play the Zen a whole lot last year. It no. felt like they didn't really have to rely on that. So maybe that's the one hero where maybe you don't see Fielder as the first option. But even then, with how talented Fielder is, it feels like something he'd be able to grow into with, especially like Zen is, again, super important. So that that's going to be another big question. And then looking at something I think you and I are both really excited about, the tank line for this team is also like a really big highlight. You have Han been at you had Han been on off tank, which rookie of the year candidate really could have even been an MVP candidate for how well he played. Hanbin was awesome. And then we have your boy Fearless on the main tank, which I, I keep the revolving mental roster of like what jerseys would Labosco actually buy. And I think a Dallas Fuel Fearless jersey might be in there. But like Fearless, probably the best Winston player in the world. Really good Arissa. Pretty good Reinhardt, not like a bad Reinhardt per stretch. I think he's just not what he's known for. This is a really great tank line. When he's paired up next to Hanbin, I don't know if it's going to matter what he's playing at main tank because you literally have one of the best off tanks in the world that you end up getting to play with. Like this is a guy in Hanbin who's on the same level as I'm trying to think of names right now, but uh, would you Choyobin, put him at the Choyobin level? I would put him right there, maybe not above him, but near him. Like one of the few Just guys under. who are close to Choyobin, right? Like Cho- Choyobin's probably sort of in a tier of his own, but there's that next tier with like Space and Hanbin, and I think Hanbin's above Space and a couple of the other guys that that you might think of. You know, Fury's still a guy that gets mentioned a lot by people. I think that Hanbin's above him. I think Hanbin is that good of a main tank or flex tank 
where you might consider him with Choi Obin, though. Like that's he, he's sort of bordering on that. Now, when we look at expectations for this team, I want to ask you, Lobo, do you worry about this team being meta dependent? Because I think there there have been arguments made, not ones I necessarily agree with, but there have been arguments made that like this team will be really good, but they are going to be top tier unless they get something that addresses heroes like Widow, Genji, and like and Winston. That's the biggest question, right? Like, like that's the biggest part of what's going to determine on how good of how good this Dallas Fuel team is. We we've seen that that Paris did pretty well, who had the majority of these players. Uh, in most metas, but the roster was a little bit different as far as construction, and they had a little bit of uh, different hero pools for guys that were with it. Like you've you've reunited everybody under the banner of one team for Rush. Like this is where we we get to see how good of a coach Rush is. Is is this mm. a, a matter of him having just a supremely talented roster at certain things, but he can't get the most out of them in other metas, or is it if we don't see Doomfist, if we don't see Genji, if we don't see Winston being super important? It doesn't matter. Like, I think that's that's what we're going to see get answered this season. But like. The nice thing here is that they've had a lot of time before the season starts to sort of be prepared for different metas and especially the meta that we're going into right now. Like if if they aren't prepared for like the tracer, the the echo, the wrecking ball and all that, if that continues to stay here into the beginning of the season, then they have nobody to blame but themselves. It's not like this is a roster that's getting thrown together a few weeks before the season starts. They've had months to prepare. Well, and you look at, so Yang, who was an assistant coach for this team, also with Element Mystic before, is coming back as a coach. Uh, Aid, who was a coach with Rush at Paris Eternal, is also on this roster. Expectations-wise, this is a top five, well, and I forget there's only 12 teams in North America. This is, I think, a top five overall team for me. I don't, I, I'm, it's fallable. They could fall lower than that. But I'm, if I'm setting expectations, I think this is a top five out of 20 team. This is a, the, the roster that you've put together and the statement that you made in the offseason. Like, who made a louder statement in the offseason than the, the Dallas Fuel? You know, there's only a few teams that you can maybe argue that did. So when you've made this statement, when you've put together this roster that was this this gauntlet juggernaut, this is sort of the expectation. That's sort of the thing that needs to happen. So if Dallas isn't first, second, or third, I consider it a failure of a regular season. I agree. They need to be winning tournaments or at least getting to finals consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's that's the expectation that they're getting put on them, but that's also sort of the expectation they've created for themselves by doing this and and you were talking about envy the organization too right this is a team that that is no stranger to blizzard games too uh activision blizzard games i should say call of duty who was the champion the world champion last year it was the dallas empire who owns the dallas mm. empire envy so mm. there, there's clearly a championship state of mind that they have as an organization did they finally give themselves the roster and overwatch to get back to that I'm hoping I would love to see a top tier competitive Dallas fuel team uh, win condition successful season. I agree with you. It's you have to be that elite level team. You promised me you have to win. This is what you have. Pro- like how I think straight up said it where it's like we want to give envy fans a team that wins like we want to give them a top level team. And that's what you have to be for it to be a successful season. I think that the the win condition for this team is how how do they adjust to metas that are not necessarily pocket picks for their players, right? Mm-hmm. Like when fearless is not getting to play Winston, when 
when you don't get to have Doha Sumbra, when you don't get to have some of this other stuff, right? Like that, that's, that's the biggest win condition for me for this team is, are they going to be a top competitive, competitive team in those other metas where those heroes aren't as important or just not even played? So if you see a, if you see a highly competitive and a top placing team in those metas where those heroes aren't in the meta, that's when you know that the Dallas feel is going to be a team that's going to be at or near the top the entire year. Looks good. I think it's time we move on to our next team, the Washington Justice. The Washington Justice Season 3 regular season was one of many struggles, complete with a mid-season roster makeover and management shift. The fan-favorite DPS duo of the Justice retired early in the season, with Corey moving on to Valorant and Stratus moving on to become a content creator. This marked the beginning of Washington's move from a mixed roster of players to a full Korean roster of players. Janu and Stitch, who were newly freed players from the Vancouver Titans, were looking for a home, and Washington is where they found it. Even with some huge mid-season additions, the Justice had a lot of trouble during the season and finished with the second-worst record in the league. A season of so many struggles wouldn't seem to have any high points, but the Justice would see a revitalization at the end of the year when Decay was let go from the Dallas Fuel and joined the team. The Justice would sprint their way through play-ins, beating both Vancouver and Decay's old team in the Fuel to make it to the end of season playoffs. Their low seeding earned them a first-round playoff game against the defending champions of San Francisco Shock. The Justice would lose a close 3-2 game to the defending and eventual champions, sending Washington to the loser's bracket. It is here that the Justice would leave their mark as they ran through the bottom of the bracket all the way to the loser's final, where the most likely of teams earned a chance at an opportunity to make it to the final four. The final four ticket would not be punched as the bell tolled midnight on this Cinderella story. Waiting for them in the loser's final was the talented Philadelphia Fusion, who would take the final spot from them, but there was no doubt that Washington's run at the end of the year turned heads for what might be next season. Many were left wondering whether it was luck and meta-driven that led the late success, or was there something more to the Justice roster? The moves made by the Justice in the offseason show a belief in the core of the roster they assembled. Jerry and Assassin have been added to bolster the DPS line with Decay and Tuba. Mag, Fury, and Rhea create a formidable front line for the Justice. The largest question remains about the support duo of Closer and Bebe. Bebe is looking to revitalize himself after a rough end with the Hanzo Spark. Closer is also getting a second chance after being let go by the Dallas Fuel, this time on a full Korean roster. Will it be enough or will their support line be their downfall? Alright, so... We gave Pre, the general manager for the team, we gave Pre a lot of crap, I think, at the end of season three, when all the we built this like hashtag stuff kind of started coming out and like started talking all this big talk about like, oh, like we're making someplace where people want to be. Like we're we're redoing this. And 
I mean, maybe the semantics, maybe the way he went, like he said stuff was kind of fun to laugh about, but Washington have put together a really good team. This is a roster that is, has some, like has a hole or two. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but there's some really good parts of this team. This team could go really far. Yeah, this is a, this is another roster that I'm expecting to be near the top. Like, Mm. I think it's that good of a roster, especially you think about the run that they had at the end of the year last year. They they've sort of put expectations on themselves by doing that. Like you brought in decay, say what you will about how they ended up bringing decay and whether it was a legal thing that they did or not. He was part of the team and the team went on a magical run. They were, they were one of the talks of the playoffs leading into the final four. So you, you sort of created this atmosphere where it's like, okay, how do you capture that lightning in a bottle from last year? And maybe with the roster they, they've assembled, they might start to do that. And I mean, I guess it has to start at the DPS position anyways, where you still have Decay. And then what was brought in alongside of him and Tuba is Jerry an assassin. Yeah. Decay, MVP can I would say MVP candidate last year, if, if like we were being honest, just for the sheer amount of force of nature carry the man provided. Um, world-class DPS player. You have Tuba coming back at the projectile role, which I think he he had some really good flashes on Genji and Farah. Enough for him to come back, I think. And then the new pickups, you have Jerry from the Boston Uprising, who I think you bring in to be able to play the hit scan role opposite of Decay. Realistically, Decay is probably going to be in 99% of the time, I would think. Yeah. If not, maybe you have a weird... If there's some double projectile meta, I don't even know if you still take Decay out. But... Jerry's going to play probably your Widow and your Ash. I think it's 100% of what he's going to be playing this season. Of just, mm-hmm. It's just Widowmaker and Ash. I don't know about that. It depends on what the meta deems, right? Like, like, okay, it, you're keeping Degay in as much as possible on the heroes that he's best at, right? And if you have a Widowmaker meta, you're probably having Decay on Widowmaker. Like, where is the argument for Jerry over Decay? Oh, I, no, I would imagine that if you're doing double hit scan. That's when you would put Jerry in. No, no, no. You keep, I would think you keep, I would right. agree with you. No, you're keeping Decay in. You're putting Jerry in at the other hit scan. Say you're well, going no, no. Tracer Widow, Tracer Ash. Right. Then, then you're getting Jerry in there in some capacity. I think it's a good thing to have somebody. Sure, his hero pool is a little similar to Decay's, but Decay also has some other incredible heroes that, that he can play. And also, if, if Zarya is important, we know that Decay is playing Zarya. So, so mm-hmm. you have, uh, Jerry essentially comes in to fill the role that Stitch was doing last year. If you think about it in the playoffs where mm-hmm. you had Decay playing Zarya and then Stitch was playing your McCree and whatever else that was important. That that's what that's what Jerry is going to be for this roster. It, it's obviously they believe that Jerry's an upgrade from Stitch. That's why you switch those two players out. And that's sort of the the way that they've constructed this roster. But like, if Widowmaker's uber important in the in the meta, it's decay on there, regardless, yep. right? It's, but but if it's like Widowmaker and you know, say Tracer or something, then 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 it's about who can you get more impact on, and then it's probably decay on the Tracer. So yes. that that's that's where the like you have those moments where you have to make those decisions, though, and that's what will be interesting to see from the Washington Justice. Assassin is the big pickup here, I think. This guy is the projectile player who spent time with 
Runaway, most notably, was one of like the big gun players and contenders. Uh, this, from what I've heard, I don't have that much experience watching him play. From everything I've heard, this guy is a top level talent. This guy's awesome. He was one of the most sought after players coming out of contenders this past year. You know, Runaway didn't have the same success as they they've had previously as far as um when it came time to play a, in the gauntlet. They were still a third place team, though, so they were still one of the best. They just didn't finish at the top. Uh, they ended up losing. I think it was to Gen G was who they ended up losing to. But Gen G, I mean, Team CC was the far and above the best team, so it didn't matter. But yeah. Uh, they were at least one of those top three teams and, and competed with all of the best teams in the gauntlet. And Assassin is sort of the prize, the crown jewel from from that roster. An Assassin DK DPS line gives me nightmares a little bit like that could be the best DPS duo in the world when the season's over and done. I wouldn't say it yet, but like there's a possibility it could be the best duo. That That's sort of what the you, that's why you bring these two players together, right? Because that's what you're striving for. From one strength to another strength, the tank line looks really good for this as well. You have Mag as your main tank, another runaway guy. This was somebody who had a chance to get in, kind of had a chance to come in for season three, but he would have turned 18, I think, like almost right after halfway. So it made more sense for him to kind of stay wait for season four. Elite level tank player, world class level tank talent. People were expecting Mag to come out last year at some point, and maybe it was the better decision for him to sort of just wait it out because now he gets to be on a roster that is going to probably surprise some people with how good it's going to be. Plus, you get like a whole offseason of practice time and a whole offseason of like coaching investment. Imagine like I would imagine you come in like three quarters of the way through the season. You don't really have that much time to kind of soak everything up and really gel together with a team to make your best impact. Yeah, so it's not a it wasn't a terrible decision, especially because we know for the main tank spot, it's a lot about communication, a lot about working together with your team. Obviously, there's there's a mechanical ability that's needed, but main tank has a lot of other responsibilities that are a little bit different than, say, just being an extremely gifted player at the flex tank. But the flex tank spot for this team, too. Pretty darn good. Mag might be a rookie of the year, honestly. We'll have to see what I hope. A, please let a tank win a rookie of the year one of these times. I would love that. Um, at Flex Tank, you have Fury, who, again, world champion with the London Spitfire. Uh, still considered, I think, a top five off tank for a lot of people. Um, played with Philadelphia Fusion last year. Played well. I don't know if we necessarily got to see him at that elite level, but he was playing... I don't know. If they Philly was weird. They went back and forth between him and Poco. They didn't really we don't know what kind of the decision making rationale was there. But Fury's on this team. Elite a Mag Fury tank line is awesome. They also have Rhea at the off tank, which Rhea, we've gone back, I mean, we've gone back and forth about had a really good season two with Hongjo Spark that kind of didn't do as well last year. I think they ended up putting, I mean, you saw they got QOQ to try and fill that spot, and even then. Like Rio Rhea comes in here, I think, as your backup for sure. Also just gives you the flexibility in case you may need two off tanks for something. I don't know. I think it's more just like insurance a little bit, but also I there are certain you know, flex tanks where maybe Fury's not considered like super top, right? Like Fury on on Diva, like there's no question, right? Like his Roadhog also is incredible, but 
maybe Rhea comes in to fill some of those other heroes that maybe you don't see Fury being as top, top tier as as what he is on like Diva. Because like Diva, like who really how many people are better than than Fury at Diva? Like think about all the eats mm. that Fury has done over the years and everything else. Like Fury is a Diva player. Bar none. Like there are a few divas that can compete with him. There are some, but that's like Choyobin and a couple other guys, right? So uh, Han Bin is one that comes to mind too. So having somebody to sort of fill that holes in, in Rhea and, and who's a you know a veteran and, and a good guy makes all the sense in the world to solidify this as a very formidable tank line that people are going to have to worry about. The thing I think the part where people have some issues with this roster issues is a strong word questions with this roster is a support line because right now they're going with Bebe at your flex support and closer as your main support closer another world champion with london spitfire kind of middling with dallas fuel um we saw him kind of disappear mid-season and when paintbrush started to be the main guy there um and then you have Bebe who flex support with hongjo spark uh never looked like amazing uh I know I don't know if Lafon is the person I remember hearing say that like they didn't love his performance. It might be somebody else, but like a guy who was fine, but like never like incredible. I mean, people wonder like in order to fight elite teams, you need that really strong playmaking support line, and I don't know if this is it. Well, and I, I think closer is fine. Like I always liked closer as a main support. Like I never had any issues with him during Dallas Fuel games. I thought there were other problems that that may that were sort of his ass that that get exacerbated and, and make it harder on closer to do what he needs to do. I think the bigger thing here is Bebe. I think that is the one that people will have more question marks about than anything else because this is a a position that when you look at it around the league and you look at other elite teams. One of the things that that stands out about elite teams, talking the best teams in the world, there, there's the the off tank position that's super important that that you have to have one of the best people in the world at. But the other position that people look at is the flex support position, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is not, not every team, but almost every team has somebody in that flex support spot that is world class if they're a top team. So. Bebe has never been somebody that, that people have thought that of. So there's a lot riding on Bebe's shoulders here. And we know how important just the support position is overall in general anyway. So I think when you combine all of these factors, that is why people are most concerned about the support position more than anything else. But the DPS and the tanks are so good on this team. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you don't need as much here, but I think I still think that this is one of the severe weaknesses and one of the things that might end up getting addressed at some point during the season. I mean, I think you nailed it. If there's a, if there's a meta where you're specifically like calling on your mains on your flex support to kind of step up and make plays, I think maybe Bebe gets exposed a little bit. We'll see if they pick anybody up. I wouldn't doubt it. I think also we make all these season pre- these team preview videos and then a bunch of players get picked up like a couple weeks in anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. Looking at expectations for this team, I really think I think you and I differed in our rankings before. I have to see where I posted mine in our conversation. I'm pretty sure that I have them up. I put them in number th- number four for North America. So then I think they could be a, I think they're a top five team. I think they're in that tier that's sort of below 
like San Francisco, Dallas, and LA. And I don't even know if Dallas and LA are in it. I think San Francisco, honestly, is in a tier of its own. And then I think it's kind of Dallas, LA, Florida, Atlanta, and Washington that are kind of in that next tier. So they can kind of finish as high as two, but as low as six. And I have them more towards the bottom when I sort of put this list together because I think that there are other rosters that when you look at them, you have less questions about them, right? Especially at some of the positions that we've talked about. Like, sure, DPS. Like, like if there's one thing that you can say about Dallas, LA, Florida, and Atlanta, other than Washington, they all have DPS like Washington that you have extreme confidence in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, DPS has always been a position where there's a, a ton of talent in the league. So that isn't the position that that I worry about them most for. And, and then tank and off tank, where this is this is where the questions start to come in. All right, like tank and off tank, like sure they have some very good players, but are they better than some of the other players in the league? And and this is where it gets really difficult to sort of put this in because obviously Mag we just don't know yet. And then Fury mm-hmm. and Rhea, we they're, they're a little bit more of known commodities. There's just more known about those other teams there. But support, for sure, is the area where I think every team on this list, you probably think that they have a better support duo than what Washington has. Like Atlanta, Florida, LA, Dallas. Like, like which of those teams would you say has a worse support duo than them? I guess is where where we get right because. And that's why, for me, I've, I have those teams above them. Well, even the teams that you would, I would, I even thought about for a second, like with worst, it's not even worse. It's just less proven. The only ones that come to mind with me would be like Massa and Iris on Atlanta. And that's not because they're worse. It's just because they're less proven. I mean, we don't, we haven't seen them really spend that much time together. Even like with Toronto, with like Aztec and Ansum J, like that's less proven, not like a, not worse. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think this is going to be. But, what, but that's the thing, too, though. No, what I'm a closer and baby prove it. I mean, individually, we've seen them in different spots. I agree. With, like, but but that's what I'm saying. They have not proved any more than those players. Right. L- yeah. Like, and they've been in the league. They've been mm-hmm. playing, you know, Masa and Iris. We haven't seen them together for a long time, but they were a decent team in playoffs. Right. Like they weren't the mm-hmm. worst team in the world. And everything else on the team just gives you a lot of confidence, too. So that's why it's like Atlanta's like the sort of the, the team that you I put them with more than than those other teams, because I think those other teams have more going for them, especially at the support line, or at least more potential at the support line where this is a this is a support duo that sure we haven't seen them together, but we've seen so much of them. And it has never been something where you're supremely impressed. Just because I liked Closer doesn't mean I was impressed by his play. Gotcha. I really think we could see. I like this team at number four, but I know I definitely think like they could slip a little bit if stuff doesn't hit. Right. If you're thinking win condition for this team, what do you think needs to happen? Support line has to be um, better than replacement level. Like that is the most important position that we don't know about for them, right? Like, like this is the 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 position with the lowest expectations. They need to be better than the average supports in the Overwatch League for this team to be really, really good. 
if they're not at least replacement level, it, it's going to be a little tough. I agree. I think if they don't really step up and really have, like if they don't toe the line and keep things even, I think they're going to get picked on really hard. I think if you're a Washington, you need to be finishing semifinals of these tournaments like regularly. All right. Th- th- this is another team that that the expectations are are near the top. I just have them a little bit lower than maybe some other people do. And and it's, you know, once the season starts, we'll obviously know a lot more. But but I, from what I've seen of Bebe and Closer, I just don't have the confidence that I, I have in some of the other teams, even though they have less proven players. Well, we want to talk about less proven. We're going to go to a weird kind of conundrum in that aspect with our next team, the London Spitfire. Season one feels so far away if you're a London Spitfire fan. The championship roster of old that brought the Spitfire their first Overwatch League championship is long gone. And for season three, a new roster of hopeful players from Korea was brought in. Headlined by Glister and Bernard, London looked to catch lightning in a bottle with some lesser-known players from the most talented contenders region. London would have a rough time the entire season and would be one of the teams with a long layover due to the gap in games from COVID. Piled on top of being in the extremely competitive region of Asia, London's season would be a struggle and end with a first-round exit in play-ins. A new general manager in Noki brings a new direction for the team this season. The entire roster from Season 3 has been let go in favor of bringing up a majority of the contenders roster of British Hurricane, the academy team of the London Spitfire that features mostly European players. British Hurricane had many dominant performances in contenders and has a lot of hope placed on their shoulders to represent the European player region. Will these rookies prove that European contenders has more than enough talent to compete with the best players in the world? Or will they falter and struggle to reach their potential? All right, so we could say less proven in that they've spent less time in Overwatch League level, but like this London Spitfire roster has been together as British Hurricane for a very long time. They have proven, I would say they've proven a lot. Because you have the initial British Hurricane roster of Hybrid and Sparker at DPS, Rippa, and then I think Kalix took over for somebody. I don't remember who, but he's been there for a little bit at supports. Hottie and Molf 1G at the tank line, which I know people are really excited about. And you're adding two DPS players with Blase and Shax um, from Houston, Boston, slash LA, Valiant, respectively. This roster is interesting to me because, like, there's parts of it I really like and there's parts of it I'm excited about, but I just don't. I'm wondering what the growth potential is because these guys have been together. This core has been together for a long time. Here's the thing. The the biggest thing w- with British Hurricane was like, yeah, they dominate the European region of contenders, right? Like that was something it was all about who could beat British Hurricane and Europe contenders. The problem was, was the, the few times where we did get to see them. And of course, 2020 makes things a lot more difficult because of the pandemic. So we didn't get to see them play some of the other teams that were the best in the world in Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. They've never done well at Gauntlet. They've never done well when there's been those overseas competitions. You know, sure, it was 2019. So you're, you're talking a, a large gap of time. But mm-hmm. that to me has always been the biggest concern. I'm glad to see them getting their opportunity 
and they'll have a chance to grow on the largest stage. But I, I've never been supremely confident that they would be able to do it. And I want to be wrong because I've covered a lot of these guys over a long period of time. I've seen a lot of these guys have been able to call games for, for some of these guys. So you want to see them do well. I just don't have the confidence that others do that they will. Mm-hmm. Well, and you look at it, too, because they've got going just, I guess, line by line for this team. DPS looks decent, like coming through for this team, I guess. So the two the two, I guess, joiners are going to be Blase, who was decent during the Houston season. I think Houston just is kind of a whirlwind that it's lucky if you look good in, unfortunately, um, but like really good on the Doomfist, especially. Yeah, and then had some other decent performances. Shax is a freak, and I would argue probably the best non-Korean tracer player in the world. I love you, Dante. You didn't hear me say that. And I'm not familiar with Hybrid and Sparker, but I do know there's a lot of hype behind Sparker as a um, for like, and he has experience on the tracer. But I think as like your Widow and Ash player, like as your hitscan guy, I'm also not that familiar with Hybrid, but I've heard decent stuff about him as well. This, this, the DPS line's pretty good, um, but it's like we just said with the last team. I don't see this team DPS line being better than anybody. I don't see them having. I don't see them being better than anybody. Like again, I I think that they're all really good players. I just don't know if anybody here's elite level. You know, maybe Shax, Shax, and then Blase and Doomfist, right? Mm-hmm. Let like, I I just don't see them competing overall as a DPS core with some of those other rosters that we've talked about, or just some of the ones we're talking about in this preview alone. Like, do you see this DPS core being better than Dallas being better than Washington? I I just don't see it. I mean, you can even look by like where we kind of replace him. Do you see them being better than Boston? Do you see them being better than Houston? Like, I don't, I think there's arguments for those teams. But I still think it's an argument. It's not a clear, definitive, clear-cut thing. Oh, and we'll talk about that with the expectations, too, because I think expectations are a lot different than the ones we te- the teams we just covered. <laughs> right, exactly. So I, I, I do think that they've got some talent. I just don't know if they have enough talent to compete with the teams that are going to be at the top. And, and that continues on to their tank lineup, which is Mulfig and uh, I, always forget, I think it's Hattie. I always forget if it's Hattie or Hattie. I think it's Hattie. One of those two. Yeah, I, it's it's been a while since I've I know I've called games from when he was on shoe money shoes money crew I think or HSL I can't remember but the the point being that this this is actually um, an area where I think they might actually be really really good as tank I think this tank line might surprise people Mulfig is a very very good tank and I think is going to be one of those p- players that surprises some people. I, we saw a little bit of them in the um, in that tournament last month, last month or this month, either one. Um, and they looked pretty good. I mean, granted, it's it was a tournament that was more for funsies, where like they aren't going to show real strats, obviously, but they right. look decent. Um, I am really excited to see Mulfig and Hattie go because I know this is a tank line I've heard a lot about. Uh, the support lineup is a little bit I don't want to say weak to me, but like I'm not confident in the support lineup. I've never been a Kellex fan. Um, I've been a Kellex hater for a long time. <laughs> um, he's always been okay to me. I've always preferred like Bonnie, o- Bonnie over Kellex, but like 
it never really struck me as somebody who was really great. Uh, Rippa is a really good flex support. I think never got to start in Gladiators just because he was behind Shu, who at one point was like a top three guy. Not Shu, I'm sorry, what I'm thinking of. Um, Shaz. Yeah. So, but Rippa is a really good flex support. I just, again, like, I, I think Tank is easily the... Tank is probably at the beginning of this of season, probably the strongest part of this team. We'll see how the DPS lineup kind of goes as Sparker gets to go in, I think in June, early June. But I'm not like, I think when we look at ex- expectations, this team's going to do really well at the beginning because they have an established, they've played together for a while. They are established. Like they have a really strong familiarity. But I think once teams start to kind of, I think they're going to get outpaced as we go throughout the rest of the season. See, I don't, I don't see that because I don't think that there's that many rosters that are going to not have enough time to sort of, you know, work together before the season starts. I, I don't think that they're timed. I, I think that they'll, they'll have a easier time of knowing, okay, who's going to play what in certain metas. But I don't think that their benefit of playing together for so long will matter as much because they've never played against this level of competition. Yes. And, and that's when something they, that really needs to be brought up too. And when they have, they haven't looked the best because what has British Hurricane done when they've been part of Gauntlet in the past where the core of this roster had been a part of that? They, they didn't do all that great. And, and that to me is, is the biggest reason where it's like, it's hard for me to, they, they actually, that's right. They didn't even get the chance to go to Gauntlet because they weren't the best team during 2019. You know, they've had this major dominant run in 2020, which don't get me wrong, super impressive that they were able to do what they did in EU contenders, but is EU contenders the as competitive as NA or Korea? No. And, and, and I think Korea and China were, were the two regions with the, the best teams, right? Because mm-hmm. Team CC was the best team, in my opinion, in contenders last year. They won Asia Gauntlet. They beat the Korean teams. They slayed the dragon, right? Mm-hmm. That was the team that Timmy was the cream of the crop. And then it was the Korean teams underneath them. Side note, I'm stoked that Fisher finally in some Fisher F I S C H E R finally gets to be in Overwatch League in some way, shape, or form. Um, maybe not as a player, but at least he gets to be here in some way. Um, expectations for this team. I I think an, a successful season for this team is if you can hang in the mid table. If you're qualifying for tournaments regularly, not winning, you're not gonna win. I think if you can qualify for most of the tournaments, if you can hang tough in the mid table, you're solid. You're excited for this team. And then you look at next season as being like the big, we get a couple pickups and move forward. Cause I don't see any way this team gets out of like lower mid table. I feel like this is a team that has a lot of expectations put onto it for the European region, right? Like this is sort of to prove that the European region isn't as weak as some people think it is. So they, to me have, pretty high expectations as a result of that um my expectations for them are a little bit lower though uh i i think mid table is being maybe a little bit generous for them um i think they'll be a little bit below that but and that's just because i think the teams that are above them are just that much better and then boston boston i think even is above them too is the big one that i have that i think some people may be surprised by but 
they they'll still be a mid table team. I just see lower in the middle more than higher. You know, I don't think in the top half of the league. I think just below the bottom half of of What's the a, the you, the NA side. What is this? What do you call a successful season for this team? Uh, for me, a successful season is uh proving me wrong and that they are able to compete with like the Washingtons and Atlantas and Floridas who are sort of in that next tier above them. That would be a successful season for me is that those are teams that they are on the same level with. If they can be that, that's extremely successful season. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think if you're looking at the the EU fan base perspective, maybe even if you just, if you can prove that you're competitive and you can hang and you at least are getting blown out all the time, I think you're stoked. I think from the EU perspective, though, you want, like, they want this team to be competing with the top teams. I just don't oh, see yeah. it happening. Sideshow had this whole bit where he was talking about, or just like, why can't we get more people lads on this team? Where are the people lads? And it's like, because like all the talent is coming from other places. I, I agree with you. I think if you can, if, if you can hang well, if you can hang, I think it's a good season for the team. Yeah. I just don't see them hanging with any of the top teams. I just don't, I don't know if they have it, the, the, the talent to, to meet that. And I am excited for a lot of the people who ended up getting into overwatch league on this team. Um, cause like I said, I've covered a lot of these guys. Uh, it's been a fun ride to watch some of them. I, you know, I've, I've met Neki. I know Neki. Um, I was there. I met Nikki. Yeah. You met Nikki too. So I, I want this team to do well. I just don't know if they'll be able to. Well, from one EU team to the next, we're going to be wrapping up with the Paris eternal. Paris in season three had a bold off season by bringing in a talented core of element mystic players in sparkle Hanbin and Exy to be the linchpins of the team. Exy and Sparkle would be massive additions to the play alongside veteran DPS players soon, creating one of the most formidable DPS lines of Season 3. They would also add Fielder and FD God to solidify the Eternal as one of the most exciting rosters coming into the season. They would see a lot of regular season success, finishing fourth in the overall league standings, along with a summer showdown tournament win over the Philadelphia Fusion. That incredible success could not be sustained in the playoffs, however. The Eternal would go on to lose their first round game against the Atlanta Reign and would quickly drop their next game to the loser's bracket juggernauts in the Washington Justice, ending their season with a whimper instead of the bang many thought they might provide. This roster would not get a chance to continue their success. The offseason brought with it massive changes and the roster of last year is no more. Sparkle, Hanbin, Exe, and Fielder, along with head coach Rush, have all been brought over to the Dallas Fuel for this coming season. FD God has become the main support replacement for the championship San Francisco Shock, who were in need after Moth moved on to the Los Angeles Gladiators. A whole new roster of European players has been brought in by the Eternal. Anigad, Naga, and Tasuno will have to try to fill the shoes of Soon, Exe, and Sparkle, a tall task to ask of any player. There's definitely some talent on the Paris Eternal roster, but will they be able to compete with the high-powered Western teams who look poised to dominate the region, like the Shock and the Fuel? 
who are now filled with familiar faces. All right, so we talk about expectations for London. Like, there's still a, a like, there's at least somewhat some proven success with that team. Um, Paris Eternal, I think I have much lower expectations for, unfortunately, which is interesting given the turnaround from like season three. I give credit to Avala for being able to put like a team full of players that like have some potential, have some way to grow. But um, if you want to compare season three Paris Eternal to season four Paris Eternal, it is not close by a mile. The expectations are definitely lower. The roster is completely, completely different in complexion and and where the players are from. Um, you had some EU players last year. Now you have a strictly EU team this year, so they have sort of reversed from where they were the year before, uh, which is going to make a certain part of their fan base, I guess, happy. Um, sure, go ahead. Be happy about it. Whatever. Why aren't we winning? We got all the EU players. Why aren't we winning all the time? Yeah, I wonder why. I wonder um, what what part of that person uh, is being shown when they say things like that. Anyway, that's beside the point because the guys on this team, I think, still deserve the opportunity to show what they can do and the DPS spot in particular. Again, these are guys that I've, I've called when they were in contenders trials for EU. So I know a, a lot of these names. A lot of people should know these names. Naga, mm-hmm. Oni God and Suna are the three for the DPS that they will have for the Paris Eternal. And I was an Oni God stand on Dallas. Um, how many? I was not. <laughs> I could tell you how many, there's so many times you can watch the Avast stream of just links are being like poor Oni God. He tries so hard. He's in it, poor Oni God. He's trying his best, but he can't do it by himself. Poor Oni God. Um, had some unfair expectations, I think, last year where people expected him to be Decay. Um, and he's not, I think. Oni God, maybe eventually, someday, if things go well and he develops well, could be that kind of talent. But that's not something that's like going to come easily or is a sure thing. Uh, Naga, I'm not super familiar with. Uh, I hate but- to be the bearer of bad news here. But Oni God's older than Decay. Oh, I'm not saying I expect Oni God to be anywhere near that. I'm just saying that there are people who want him to be. I'm just saying, like, if you're expecting him to develop into a player who's (laughs) younger than him, you're going to have a bad time. You know what? Oni God's been around forever, dude. That's the reason I want this guy to succeed. This guy's been around for freaking forever in Overwatch. He has. Um, And, And deservedly, he's been able to stick around because he is good enough at the game to stick around. Uh, Naga has been around literally, I think, every team in European contenders, um, as well as uh, some NA stuff. Um, but you probably would know him from Team Doge, um, Ex Oblivione, Obey Alliance, uh, Tea Party, Shoes Money Crew, uh, DPS guy who's going to be running most of your fl- your projectile players, your Genji, your Farah, Hanzo, Junkrat, Echo. Uh, the other guy, like Tasuna or Tsuna, you would know from Vancouver Titans really kind of got just was not in a great position last year where he just, I, I just was not given, I think a great chance to succeed last year, but we know the guy's tracer is elite level, Well, not elite elite. Let me walk that back. He is a really good tracer enough to where I think he should, he deserves a shot. And this is his opportunity, right? Like this is a team where he'll be able to get that chance. Looking over at, well, maybe not. Cause tank. I think only gods, your tracer still looking over at your tanks. Uh, you have Elivo and Don. I loved Elivo on Washington Justice. I felt like he was the most consistent part of that up and down team until they did the until they completely went Korean. Like, I think when you had the Corey era, that guy was really good. 
Um, never got to play with Lolsish, but Lolsish is on to other things. I, I'm really happy to see Elivo back in the league. I thought he should definitely have gotten another chance. Don is another t- another guy from European Contenders. We've seen him even spend some time on ATL Academy. Wow, but um, mm-hmm. young and beautiful, wind and rain, which I know I know you've covered at some point. I think I've watched vods of you covering wind and rain, yeah, and I think I always forget if it's Don or Dan. Uh, regardless, regardless of that, I, I've covered him through a lot of different uh, parts of uh, his career, and, and he's always been a pretty good main tank. Um, never really got the opportunity to show himself at the highest level, so I'm happy for him that he's got finally getting his opportunity to do so. And then over at the supports, you have Neptuno as your main, which guy's been around the league for a while, both with Philly and Guangzhou. Kind of got screwed over by Visa stuff last year. Never shown like he couldn't play at a really high level at main support, so I'm I'm excited for him to get another shot. And then you have, I think, the guy who people are most excited about for this team with Khan at the flex support. In the brief bits we've seen of Khan, just in, like I think, the recent tournament, Khan was really good. Khan was keeping step or holding the team in fights that they had no business winning. I think if you're you're shifting philosophy or Paris, right? You're instead of going to have a really be really competitive, you are trying to develop stars out of the roster you have. And Khan seems to be the guy that a lot of people are excited to see for this team. Yeah. There there's clearly a um a shift in 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 the approach to how they're going this year. I mean, you keep your roster from last year if you're chasing championships. Just what they did tells you that they're not. Mm-hmm. I mean don't get me wrong. I'm excited for the guys who are getting an opportunity here on the Paris Eternal. Like I can't, I, it's you know this them and the, the the British Hurricane. Like there's a lot of guys that that I've been able to cover, and I'm excited for them to get their chance. But it, it's going to be a tough road, and that's just the case here with Paris as well. Like for me personally, the, the expectations are extremely low for this roster. Mm. I don't have very high expectations. I think a couple of these guys are going to show that they are very good players. I just don't think as a roster as a whole that they're going to do a whole lot. Well, and a quick note to their t- to to coaches, J-Mac is coming back from not the grave, just coming back from contenders to make a reappearance in Overwatch League. Um left London Spitfire was a coach for dark mode esports for a little bit and had actually a very good, a really quick, really good run. Stoked to see him back in the league. Get amazed is your main coach, the head coach for this team. He's somebody who's been around all around creating contenders. He's part of the greatest team in Overwatch history, Eagle gaming. And then, <laughs> uh, as a player and then has been around a couple different teams with third, Im- like third impact, uh, Grunto esports and drifters. Uh, I really I'm not sure what the European coaching scene is like as far as who you were going to get after like the British Hurricane staff, but I don't know. I hope he's good. I would love to see this team do okay. Like you said, he's part of the the greatest roster ever assembled, apparently in Eagle Gaming, the, gr- the greatest roster which immediately flopped in your in Overwatch League season two. Eagle Gaming, yeah. They, listen, the, I'm very happy for for him getting his opportunity in the overwatch league. I'm very happy for J Mac in particular. Yeah. Uh, J Mac was a player that I liked. I, it's weird to see that J Mac, um, his, his playing careers ended so quickly. It feels too quickly for me. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that he still had plenty in the tank as a player. I mean, especially age wise, he's, he's 20. 
<laughs> it's it's so weird to me. I, I Dude, really the- liked him um, when he was paired up with Bernard. Like, I thought they made a pretty good... Like, like there was one part of, of, of London that was pretty decent, and that was the tank line, so... The 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 J Mac and the boys memes from season three are my favorite parts of watching stuff of just like catching with J Mac and the boys storming point A on London's on um, Kings Row. I almost forgot the name of the map. Wow. Um, expectations wise, this team, I'm I'm predicting 19th. I think that I think that they are going to be around Vancouver. They may even be lower, to be honest, depending on how stuff shakes out. I they might be I think either 19th or 20th, maybe 18th. Yeah, them and Vancouver are going to be fighting for the bottom. Um, I don't know which one of them will be at the bottom, but I think that's how in NA. <laughs> Let's make that clear in NA. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I like I said, I think that they've got some good spots. The biggest thing here is even though like we're talking about Vancouver and Paris being at the bottom, I think if you were to take this Paris Eternal team and to throw them into last year. They're probably, they're probably a middle of the pack and a team. Mm-hmm. Like I think that the the quality of play is definitely increased, but the the problem is is that even though they would have been better last year, this year that's how much the talent is raised. Yeah, I think if you are following this team, you should be happy if you hit on a couple stars. I think if you hit on Don. Maybe if you hit on Khan, if you get a couple of people that start looking really, really good, I think you're happy. I think you got to be happy with that because there's just no way you're competing with anybody. Ab- I don't think there's anybody, any way you're competing with anybody above mid table. If you are competing with the mid table, that's pretty darn good. You're stoked if that happens. Yeah, right. Because that's not where the expectation is. Now, other people, again, people in Europe might have a different expectation for this team that, than some others. but again. I just haven't been I'm not high on the EU side of things because they just haven't shown it in international play in contenders. And unfortunately, we we missed a whole year of that. But regardless of that, that doesn't mean we can't take from the what we've seen in the past to use it as a barometer for right now. Is it the best barometer? Of course not. No, definitely not. And Oni God was fine last year for the Dallas Fuel. I mean, Dallas Fuel was still mid-table team, and he was a large part of the reason why they were even competitive in some games once he went in for Decay. But I still think Decay's more talented than him, and Decay's on a better team. And that's why teams like that are higher than what the Paris Eternal are or, or the, the British Hurricane. And, and that's sort of the, the spot we're in with both of these EU teams. All righty. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Bosco. Um, can you remind everybody where the best place is or what they what what they can do to help us and where the best place to get in contact with our community is? So the best thing that you can do to help us is by leaving a review here on your podcasting platform of choice helps us as far as being in the algorithm, being more visible and seen. And, you know, it's always good to see constructive criticism of what you guys think of of the show. So please be sure to do that. We read all of those out on the show as well. So. Definitely, definitely do that. What was the other thing you said? <laughs> if they want to find us on Discord, where do they go? And if they want to find us on Discord, they go to discord.me slash mash those buttons. There's another link too. I always forget it, but that's the one I remember because I've said it too many times. Uh, there you'll be able to hear about not only our show, but a bunch of the shows 
that are also part of the Mash Those Buttons network, a few of which you get to hear about right after this. So be sure to stay around for those. There's a bunch of awesome shows in any game that you, you know, not any game, but pretty much any of the big games that you want to think about. There, there's a Mash Those Buttons podcast for it. And you can also be part of Game Night. Game Night's a lot of fun. We had uh, another really fun one, even though it was a lot smaller this last time, but it was... That's- uh, it's still the, as the fun as it ever is. transformed at the end of it. Yeah. Tournament transformed into a game night. We, we uh, learned deathmatch people don't like, apparently. <laughs> uh, I think just I'm me being bad at promotion match. people don't like. Um, oh, that too. If you want to if you want to get in contact with the show, follow us on Twitter at pushpointpod. If you want to send us something long form, email us at push the point, push the point at gmail.com. If you want to get in contact with Obosco on Twitter, where do you go? At Labosco is where you do that, and um, lately it's just for tweeting stuff. I don't know. Haven't had a lot to say, I guess. A lot of uh, interesting stuff going on in the world, so. Yes, sir. If you want to follow me, uh, where you can see where I retweet things, you can find me on Twitter at Ramsey's underscore OW. Thanks for watching and listening. Not watching, it's an audio format. Thanks for listening to season two, episode three of our team preview series. Next week or next episode we are going on to our first of our two na wow i'm a mess the first of our two apac region ones which i'm really excited to get into i haven't looked at i'm not as familiar with a lot of those rosters so i get to be boomed by labasco's korean contenders knowledge it's gonna be a great time looking forward to it Alrighty, guys we will see you next time have a good one stay safe and we will see you soon Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out mashthosebuttons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mashthosebuttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 